two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Thanks for tuning in to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. Our guest this time is the amazing felting artist Chantelle Cardinal of Felt à la Main with Love. When we say she's big in the felting world, we mean it in every possible way. Her massive wall-sized commissions are breathtaking. And her giant womb-like chair was a showstopper at the Arts Factory during Vancouver's Eastside Culture Crawl last year. You'll find links to her work and more, along with full show notes on our website, twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you like it and want to hear more episodes, subscribe, sign up for updates, and share it with your arty friends. And if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to Main Street Brewing and listen in as Chantelle and I swap stories about art and life. Spoiler alert, we each have a story about our initial meeting that surprises the other. Love it when life works that way. Cheers. Welcome to this lovely little bar table. Hi. Chantal from Felt Alamein. Am I saying that right? Felt Alamein with love. With love. Yes. Can't forget the with love. So Chantal, this is really fun to sit and talk to you because you were the first person I uttered a word to about this podcast. The day I walked into your studio was the morning after my 3 a.m. wake up with a totally formed brainchild. Hey, I'm going to have a podcast. I'm going to call it this. I'm, and got up that morning and had written down all my notes in the middle of the night. And uh, that next day, I walked into the East Side Culture Crawl, into your studio, and I climbed into that beautiful felt womb-like chair that we're going to talk about. And you just lit up that room with your stories and your beautiful work and amazing personality and I thought I am going to make a podcast so I can talk to people like this incredible woman. This could work. This could actually work. So thanks. You in part inspired this. So Well I will return the favor because um, meeting you and this woman that literally pops into my studio and goes hi (laughs) I'm Carol. This is my card. We're going to collaborate and and then kind of moves away. Yeah. Who was that mask? Where did she go? Who just came in and out? It was, and I, 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 and I had to look you up, and yeah. I'm like, what a great energy, and 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 that's what it's all about is actually opening up the doors to our studios to meet people and to collaborate with people, and and to me that was like, I don't know what we have in common, but yeah. we can do something. I don't know what yet. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Yay! Well, cheers to that. Yay! Clink. <laughs> mm. So I just came down and picked you up at your studio. You're in the Arts Factory. Tell us about your work and your studio practice. It's an, it's an amazing experience walking in there. Well, the Arts Factory is an amazing space because it's an open concept studio. And there's two studios full of artists, about 12 on each side. And the energy in there is just amazing. And the quality of work and the variety of artists that we have in there really ups your game it's like you can't be just you know do 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 i'm just going to be doing this today no you have to go and do stuff and it feels it's so motivating to see other people Mm -hmm. and also to have um other opinions or things to bounce off people or even all the different medias is so inspiring at a certain point you know six of us were doing spirally type of things and you say no you're not influenced by your environment but then you're looking around and like 
Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's something to why, this. <laughs> why are we all going around in circles? <laughs> why? Yeah. So there's there's a really great energy. And when everybody, especially when we're getting ready for the crawl, when, <laughs> when we spend a little more time in the studio. Yeah. And we have, um, we have some people to do like nine to five art and mm -hmm. working artists on a regular basis. And it makes you want to go into your studio on a regular basis. And, uh, no, and it, it was uh, like I, I explained to you when you first walked in here, we did a little bit of a tour that you had to see the potential. Mm -hmm. It was a diamond in the rough. It was just a big open space. And now it's just the best place to go. It's vibrant and there's every kind of like printmaking and yeah. painting and little spray booths and prop making and woodworking and iron and yeah. ah, it was just, yeah, like it's an artist's dream in there. It's and amazing. we don't have a turnover. So mm -hmm. people that go in there stay. Yeah. And unfortunately we have a very long waiting list because I think we make it look so much fun yeah. when people come in and yeah. it's like, oh, can I be here? It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, not for a little while. <laughs> so you said when you first went in there, you had to be able to have the vision. How long have you been there? What, how did it start for you? So they opened these applications for um, artists in about 2015. Mm -hmm. So we moved in in 2015, but at the, earlier in the day. And you could see it on the Vancouver. It's a Vancouver building, but that it was coming up, that it was in the works. But I was lucky enough to actually know Ilya prior to. And, and Elia is? Elia Kirby is the one that uh, runs the Great Northern Way um, uh, shop, prop shop. Mm -hmm. So believe it or not, we were on sharing a space with them before as an aerial group. So I do circus aerial. Oh, fun. Hanging around in a warehouse, we were uh, subletting a space. You always going to discover fun things about you. A lot of things happen. <laughs> the reason I'm a felter is because of all these things I've done around, because I'm strong enough because of mm -hmm. what I do. Okay. So... We used to do aerials in this sh in this warehouse on Great Northern Way, which is now the Emily Carr University, okay. which we got Closer. kicked out of, uh -huh. and they were looking for a new building. Mm -hmm. So we went as the aerial group to go look at this building, but the roofs weren't high enough. Mm -hmm. So he goes, oh, you guys can get a grant and raise the roof. And I'm like, yeah, there's 20 of us. We can barely get our membership. Like We, yeah. we do pay a little bit for, for the rent and all these things that we do as a group, as a nonprofit. And so it was. It, it didn't work out that we could share the space with him because he obviously had 20,000 square feet and all he needed was eight or 10,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. So the rest had to become something else. Right. And I don't think they wanted individual artists. They wanted more of a group, like a thousand square feet, so they didn't have to manage everybody. Mm -hmm. So everybody submitted. I was with a co-op where we had six people together trying to do a fiber sewing co-op and then of course when it's time to submit nobody was answering their phone anymore yeah so I did it by myself wow so I got in there and the person that was taking all these applications she goes well no we'll take we'll accept these and if we find other people like you mm -hmm. we'll put you all together mm -hmm. guess what we've got a studio full of other people like me that wanted 100, 200 square feet max, because that's what we can afford in Vancouver. And even that, that's a luxury for most people. I was working out of my second bedroom. I outgrew that pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell by all the fluff in my space. Yeah. It's like there's only so much supplies you can fit in and a wet table. And yeah. So that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. So there was a planted seed. And then, and yeah, and then we got called in and we got, we had to apply for this space. Yeah. And, and that's how the arts factory yep. got started. So the first Studio A got filled up pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And then Studio B took a little longer. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, you had to see the vision. There was no sink. There was no plasterboards on the wall. There was no lines. There was, there was just one big space. And actually, he had said, here, you guys, figure it out. And we kind of went, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
not gonna work. So yeah. they, they painted some lines and go, okay, you want 100 square feet? This is what it looks like. You want 200 square feet? This is what it looks like. Yeah. Do you want a window? Do you want the wall? We had to pick spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's a great space. Tons of light. It's got a great feeling. And you are in there. You've got your 100 square feet set up too? It's 140-ish, 150, depending on which line you're looking at. And it is full of amazing, uh, fluffy, just incredible texture. So tell us about the work you're doing. I used to just use processed wool that I would buy from Ashford, from New Zealand, beautiful merinos and all that stuff, which is accessible to everybody. You can order online, you could order Mewa, you can do that. And then I got, in my first year at the studio, I was lucky enough to get a commission, one of the Van City Commission's art calls. Mm-hmm. And part of my pitch was, by the way, it could be sourced locally. So I had to live up to sourcing it locally. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about sheep producers and local wool. And I literally, my um, partner and I got on a motorcycle, drove up to some farms and yeah. went to talk to people. Yeah. And they pointed us in the right direction. I went to a fleece auction. Yeah. And that was very exciting, believe oh, it or not. Wow. So that happens at Cloverdale Rodeo Grounds. Yeah. So I go there on a regular basis now to get some fleeces. So mm-hmm. now I buy my fleeces straight from farmers. And I've got BFF, best oh. friend friend farmers. It's literally oh, uh, in Abbotsford and so close by. And they'll give me dibs on which one do you want first and Every fleece is different. This is how I realize now that it's like your hair. Um, so, and I know the names of the sheep, which is oh, so sweet. So Tina doesn't felt the same way as Jeffrey. That doesn't felt the same way as <laughs> Fiona and blah, blah, blah. Some take the dye better. I'm having a flashback to that Portlandia episode. Have you seen it where they go into the restaurant and they're wanting to order a chicken? And they're oh, like, yeah, yeah the chicken? it's Jeffrey or Colin or whatever. Yes. <laughs> So go on. You've had Except a few I don't a- eat the chicken. I just <laughs> shave them. <laughs> I just shave them the, and I get it again next year and the yeah. year after that and the year after that. But the alpacas, uh, this farmer that I go to has rescue alpacas. And if you're paying attention to the sheep, they'll actually headbutt you and say, no, look at me. Oh. I'm cute. Oh. And then so I don't like felting alpaca as much because it just it's beautiful. It's so soft, but it's hairy. It's everywhere. It gets into all my stuff. And I'm like, I had to write a note to myself. Yes, alpaca is hairy. I don't like it. <laughs> if I need something hairy, I know where to go. Yeah. And it's a lovely uh, fiber, but it's not the same. So I, I use Romneys right now, local Romneys. Mm-hmm. They happen to be purebred. They happen to be from uh, a hobby farm. And this woman used to raise um, show dogs. So she treats her sheep like literally like her pets and domestic show dogs. Yeah. So, uh, and I needed somebody that was bulletproof when it came to Van City. They it ethically had to be, they had to shear a certain way. They had to take care of their sheep a certain way. They had to. So I found this lovely woman, couldn't invent her if I tried, um, that was also open to offering information to anybody. If Van City wants to come to the farm and see what we're doing, come on down. And and she would talk their ear off. But it was, it was, it's. It just, everything fell into place. Yeah. And that was my first year at the studio. So I got this big commission and I'm like, wow. And what did you create for Van City? So it's a mural. It's about seven feet by eight feet. Mm -hmm. And it's in the shape of a house. And it has all these beautiful hands. And it's called Collective Hands Blooming. Mm -hmm. And it's super colorful. Yeah. It's basically bright red and yellow and green. And it's not exactly the work that I do normally. But it was a lot of fun to do. Mm -hmm. And whenever I was dyeing and and washing all the the fleece, which I hadn't planned on doing myself, I plan on processing one fleece. 
and then to know the, the, the whole, and then have the mill do the rest. But the mill had two months backlog and you have deliveries in three months. So that wasn't adding up to me. So I processed my five fleeces. I dyed, you know, a pound at a time and my little cookers and because I have a turkey roaster mm-hmm. that I use as my dye pot. Okay. And then everybody's donated some slow cookers to me. So <laughs> this is 100 grams. This is 200 grams oh, of wool. Wow. So I've got all these little processes because we don't have a big space. I don't have a big laboratory that I can make a big mess. So I have to be contained. So I had this nice rotation of cleaning the fleece and then hanging it to dry and then have a dye pot and have this and then carting a little bit and then doing some pieces. And my table was always beautiful colors and people walked in and they would just smile. It's like I had a table full of red fleece mm-hmm. and then I had a table full of orange fleece and then yellow fleece. Yeah. So that was a, a nice cut and paste type of project that I felt all together. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really like Ronald McDonald exploded. It's so bright. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still to this day really proud of it. And where does it live? Where, it, where is it? It lives at Surrey City Centre. Mm-hmm. So basically in a little bit of a hood. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's um, so basically it's been there since February of 2016, 17, 2017 delivery. It was a little delayed in the delivery. They weren't ready for it. I was ready. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all ready for this. (laughs) But when you have a big piece, I don't have any room, extra room to keep it. So I kept saying, when do you want this? (laughs) When do you want this? Yeah. So you've done this giant piece for for Vans. Is that the biggest piece you've done? No, that was the first of the big pieces. Now now I'm hooked. And now all I want to do is go big. And most of the big pieces, I cannot work in my studio because my table's not that big. My table is five feet by nine feet. And although we have a piece on the table right now that's pretty large, I've done things about three times that size. And I usually work off the floor. So I put a big tarp down. In the studio? Yeah. Nope. Um, I tried in the studio, but the concrete floors are a little too hard on me and my body. So I actually have, um, I'm lucky enough that in our building, we have a big room that nobody uses. And it's carpeted and it's warm. So I can lay things down there. And um, But I only work there like five days at a time, like sort of just make it to a point that I can bring it to the studio. So hence when it's, and I don't know if you know anything about, a little bit about felting, but everything starts about 20 to 40% bigger. Okay. And it has to shrink. Yeah. So my, you know, five feet by 10 feet piece needs to be seven by 14, for right. example, to start. And then once it starts shrinking and it's actually holding together, I can bring it into the studio to work it. Yeah. to work it some more. Wow. So I've seen a lot of pieces you've done that are fashion. How yeah. do you control the size something ends up? Well, my background is a fashion designer. So I worked 10 years as a fashion designer and then 20 some years in films. So costumes to me is a, is a given. But um, felt is magic when it comes to fitting. So you can shrink it and you can shrink it some more. Of course, there's a maximum uh, shrinkage. Yeah. So, but you and, can control it as you go down? Well, the whole point is I, I'm really good in math. So I calculate my shrinkage. I do my, my pattern according to where how much shrinkage I wanted to have. And also, um, the favorite part is to fit it on the person. So I also have a background in massage. <laughs> I came to Vancouver and I studied massage. Yeah. So I thought that was going to be my transition. Didn't have to work in films anymore. I'll be a massage therapist. Yeah. But here it's the RMTs. So I, I ended up being a massage practitioner. Mm-hmm. And that technique, a lot of those techniques, and even the sensibility in my hands, I needed this to do felting. It's that one of those total things sense. that yeah. 
it's like I feel like I took a detour. I've always wanted to do massage because I'm an athlete. I was always broken. So you, it's a natural progression. Mm -hmm. And I allowed myself to do that at the age 40, believe it or not, to come here and study, go back to school. Okay, that was hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learning anatomy at 40, I don't recommend it. <laughs> my memory is not the way it used to be. But those techniques, mm -hmm. the moving the skin and the feeling the thickness. And, and so my first jacket I've ever done, I massaged it on uh, this guy, actually. I have an artist friend in Montreal that wanted a felted jacket. Mm -hmm. Who else wants a felted jacket but a crazy <laughs> artist designer friend of mine? Uh, and basically, I finished it on him. So I shrank it 20%, sewed it together. And then literally finished it so it fits him perfectly. He has a shoulder higher than the other. So I literally just keep felting it. Mm -hmm. So the vibration, the agitation encourages the shrinking and makes for a perfectly fitted piece. That is amazing. And now I feel like I can shape anything, any way, anyhow. As the more experience that I'm getting, the more it's like it's almost a challenge. Like I can, I can make that happen. Yeah. Those clothing pieces are amazing in your studio. And were they something that you did because you chose to do them did somebody commission them were they for where did they come from most of the fun pieces that i make i do make just for fun so i need sometimes some show pieces um so some of the pieces that i've done was to show film people mm -hmm. to show possibilities of things that you can do in felting because felting is a lot more costumey than most people would wear on a regular basis yeah so even though it's a beautiful um medium to have on you just mm -hmm. merino wool and and it's I don't know, it's magical when it comes, especially to, when it comes to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. The most interesting pieces that I've done, I've done just for fun and more as show pieces. So not to wear, not to, it's like, oh, what if I try doing this? I still have to hone into that a little bit more when I try to do things just for fun with no altered purposes or just, and those are the ones that it's just magic. Things just come and with time, two, three years down the line, I used them for show pieces for, like I said, for films. And they actually bought those sleeves for um, a character. And then they said, okay, now we need five more. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but I had showed that. And then it sort of just it planted a seed. Nothing came of it. And then, you know, years later, working on another project, the designer calls me and says, oh, do you have those? I would like to have something like that. Or that lamp that you have, I need a collar like that. That lamp, can you make me an overskirt that looks like that? I love people that will give me challenges according to things that they've seen me do, but let me do what I do in a different way. It's yeah. like, okay, this webbing, can you do that in a skirt? I'm like, oh, that sounds like a challenge. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so are a lot of your commission pieces for film or for where do, they, where do the commissions come from? You would think that that would be a natural thing to do, uh, but there's so many people doing things for film. So I, I do here and there because I still dabble a little bit in films. Um, but it's just, it's, they're so few and far between that I don't count on it. I just kind of propose it. If you guys need something, you know, I'm here. And, but the delays are just, now I remember why I don't work in films. It's just so crazy. And, you know, I work 10 days in a row, 12, 14 hour days on my hands and feet to finish things not yeah. to mention do doubles you can't do doubles one of a kind I can I, che I can cheat them mm -hmm. but it's one of those what was I thinking yeah like the the beauty of this is everything is unique <laughs> yes but then I think I can do two as long as I do it at the same time right then my brain kind of wants to explode because it's the biggest puzzle ever yeah yeah I did it so it's one of those things there's a there's a piece that I'm hoping I can start 
posting on social media that became a witch. <laughs> oh, okay. But until it airs, I can't show it to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. We'll add it to the show notes. <laughs> so when did all this felting begin for you? What was your first experience with it? It's so funny because everybody says, how did you get into felting? Because I, I obviously have a background in fashion, but it's like felting is not a given. When I was in Vancouver and I'm trying to figure out, I don't want to work in films, massage is sporadic at best and I'm like I just want a studio every time I take time off every time I travel I just make things I stay home and I make things I, I you know I and whenever I want to give something I paint I do I did ceramics so I like Granville Island is a beautiful place that has all these studios and I'm like I want to come to studio I want to come to work on this little boat and you know have a studio so I walked into somebody's studio and I, and I knew that there was an artist, there was two artists in there, and there was one that was leaving. And I said, Do you, are you looking for somebody else? I would like to not partner up, but just like, I'll, I take that space. Mm-hmm. It happens to be a felter. Yeah. And I, I didn't have any intention in felting. I just thought, I can do stuff with her felt. I can make some bags. I can do. So that was my not really thought out pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm Chantal. Mm-hmm. I know somebody's leaving. Would you be interested in da, da, da. And she said, no. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I go back. But I said, hey, I asked. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. About a month later, she calls me. She goes, well, I don't want to share my studio, but I need somebody to work in my studio. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. And that pretty much is where it started. Uh, so I started doing some of her stuff, and I worked there. And I still, to this day, will go and work some days. So you might find me yeah. on Grand <laughs> once in a while. I know um, the spot you mean, actually. Because yeah. um when they go on vacation, so I know my way around and I can just walk in and do stuff. And yeah, yeah. so these, yeah, so I still do some felting for other people. Most of the time now, I was like, I really want this for myself. The initial idea was to get my studio and then so I made it happen. I find it so interesting as I'm going around talking to artists, how everybody's career that they build for themselves is this unique blend of all the cumulative pieces of their life that led them there so here you are you know doing aerials which I totally want to hear about using your hands the way you did with massage using your fashion design and and it's really cool to see how it all comes together and it expresses itself in a unique way that could be from no one else well that was when people ask you what makes your thing special because I mean felting is is super old it's not I didn't invent it a lot of people are doing it I have a lot of I call rock stars of felting that I admire Mm -hmm. and I know I will never be able because of the years that I have like I'm I'm playing catch-up here I've I've come into this a little later in my life but the thing is they can't do what I do either because they don't have Mm -hmm. the path that took me here the reason I can do felting the way that I do these big pieces by myself is because I'm strong. Yeah. I was an athlete and I can climb some silks and my hands are can crush things. Yeah. And that allows me to felt. Mm-hmm. I have an endurance that comes from playing. I played soccer for 40 years of my life. I identified as a soccer player most of my life, which you probably wouldn't know. No. <laughs> I was such a jock. And, and traveled Canada. And so those are my experiences from traveling and teamwork. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always, I've always been part of a team. Film, working in films is this beautiful collaboration of like hundreds of people going in the same direction. Who knew that could actually work? Yeah. So I like doing things, which is the reason why I'd love my studio to be bigger and have other people involved and have like anybody that wants to come and play in my studio, please come on down and then like, you know, put your hands in there. Like I'll show you what to do. Yeah. But it's, it's, 
it's one of those collaboration is, is where I want to go to be able to do some bigger things mm -hmm. and where I'm going actually in a few weeks, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and this whole, the massage, and I learned at 40 when I was doing my massage practice that I learned with my hands. Mm -hmm. I can memorize things for an exam when I was in school like nobody other, no, sorry, like no other, my French is coming out when I'm nervous. <laughs> like no other person mm -hmm. but I learn by doing things so and it only took me when you know, you figure this out at 40 imagine if you would have known at 20 yeah. how it would have been easier your path would have been easier but the choices that I made without knowing I was a really good pattern maker and and fashion and everything needed to be done with my hands this is the way I learned I was going into science or fashion design mm -hmm. I never even went to this the school for science like I, I thought about it I applied for it mm -hmm. and I kind of went this way yeah it wasn't it didn't make sense to me as mm -hmm. much as working with my hands yeah and I had been sewing since I was a child it was one of those things my mother showed me and and it's just things that also is comforting mm -hmm. to be able to create and make things was just it and whatever I can make if I could work wood, I would. If I could work metal, I would. If I, I've done ceramics. Yeah. But it's, it's, and now it brings me all back to this magical thing of felting, mm -hmm. which is my background is in fibers and fabrics. But this is like, oh my God, look at all the possibilities. Who knew you can make your own fabric? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then 3D and sculptural. And now my brain just is going to explode. So when you were doing fashion design, what were you doing? I was a designer. Mm -hmm. So basically came up with some um, styles and then we would present it. And so I know also how to do presentations of like, okay, these are three, three styles. Which ones are we putting in the line? Which ones aren't we uh, meeting with buyers and pattern maker and doing the first pattern, doing some grading. So all of that in the industry. But even early on, after a couple years, two, three years, four years, I kept saying, this can't be it. Mm -hmm. This can't be it for the rest of my life. I can't see myself retiring in this. And I finished school quite early mm -hmm. from, because Quebec is a little different from here. So I graduated fashion school at 19 oh, wow. and I went to work. Mm -hmm. So I started working at 19 in an industry of a lot of mature people. Yeah. <laughs> and was, was this in Montreal or in? Yes. Yeah. So in Montreal, we have a Schmata district and the Chabanel district. Mm -hmm. And so you basically pay your dues and make work your way up and, and until you're a fashion designer and you, you know, have eight million dollars worth of production under your belt and you're saying okay and if you make a mistake that's only two hundred thousand dollar mistake if right. you don't forget a notch or you do this yeah so very young i had a lot of responsibilities and i i'm like yeah it's, eh, yeah. it's not as good as you know is this it yeah so you keep looking and it took me a very long time to find yeah <laughs> and it took a long way around yeah but it is so true what you're saying like yeah. at, at 20 if you just went i'm going to be a felter it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. So when I first met you, you had a uh, you had a, a piece in your studio which you still have that people just can't resist climbing into. Tell me about the chair and where the concept for that came from. And well, it's all about making big stuff, mm -hmm. and it's like we can make small pieces, and it's trying to take it out from the arts and craft of mm -hmm. people because everybody can felt. I mean, and, or people can do it at school and even a mural, a communal mural with kids, that would be amazing to, to work on. But it's like structurally, mm -hmm. how can we build something that you can actually sit on? It's also selling the fiber. How 
solid it is. It's the strongest fiber you can create. How thick do I need to put it so that people will sit in it and not be afraid? Mm -hmm. So it's tested at 250 pounds and counting. Uh -huh. It's just because everybody else don't want to take, they don't want to tell me their weight. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so it's, it's, it was also a conversation piece. Here, mm -hmm. have a seat. Mm -hmm. See what this fabric medium can do right. and the logistics of putting it together was just it's that's my passion is the process mm -hmm. how do I I didn't want a spreader bar but I ended up putting a spreader bar if not it was going to be a little bit too much of a cocoon mm -hmm. and also to make it comfortable and functional and but again it was to bring people in and open a conversation yeah it's always about making connections for me mm -hmm. so it has to do literally and physically yeah. my my medium is making connections mm -hmm. but talking to people about it and yeah. sharing it with if anybody wants to i give some workshops that anybody wants to learn like come on in we'll you know or they want a project we'll figure it out yeah i suspect that it is like my primary art form is printmaking relief mm -hmm. printmaking which is like one generation past the cutting a potato in half in elementary school and carving something love you know that. I still love yeah that. and when people see pieces of the process they're always like I see this light go on in their eyes and they're like oh, like I did this as a kid or there's some kind of physical connection to the printmaking process that that sets people alight and I suspect that felting is that way do you have that experience as people come through absolutely because Fibers or fabrics mm -hmm. is, is part of, of who we are or cultures as well. So whether it be doilies or things that remind you when you travel. I've, in Guatemala, I love the, the, the weaving. and So I always bring back some fabrics. I always They, they have an association with a place mm -hmm. of where you come from, of how you were raised. And just this whole emotional, they just mm -hmm. ring inside. And... and Every, and working with your hands and touching as well in this particular case really brings people to a different place. And like, oh, and I can make that. Yeah. So how it's like they're very proud of themselves. And every time we make a piece and I say, well, you can put the scissor and cut it into coasters. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to cut it. Yeah. It's okay, that's your first it's one. It's not alive. The, the first one you might not want to cut that after that. Once it's like, you know, 250, you might... Be yeah. able to put the scissors in it, no problem. <laughs> so you mentioned traveling, as you were saying that, and you have a new adventure coming up. Tell me about that. Well, because of our little encounter, I... Because of our encounter? Our little encounter oh. at the crawl, believe uh -huh. it or not. You basically looked and said, hi, <laughs> and one way. And I'm like, who is this lady? So I look you up, and you're, you're traveling all over the world, and you're doing workshops, and you're doing this, and you... And, 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 and using your medium as an excuse to go places and yeah. to meet people and to do things. Yeah. My brother okay. says, I suspect you're not really an artist. You're just tricking people so you can travel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll go I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I was looking up some options. So I'm like, oh, let's do a residency somewhere. So I'm like, I see some people doing residencies in Iceland. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. But my, I'm a really big fan of this woman called um, Claudia Youngstra. She's a Dutch artist that does murals the size of this room. Oh, you're kidding. So she works on projects for library buildings, mm -hmm. and they're just ginormous. And also, she's very um, sustainable. Like, all her message really resonate with me. And I realize sometimes when I say things, other people come and see me for the same reason. Oh, what you say is really resonates. So you have to be careful to, you know, people yeah. listen and yeah. people are, are paying attention. So I, I basically, 
emailed this woman, the studio, I says, would you be willing to take a almost 50-year-old intern? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so they said yes, mm -hmm. because of course they take interns usually. They're fiber students and stuff like that, but I've, I've got a little bit of experience and I'm just, but I mean, so, so mm -hmm. they've got a studio, they've got... Uh, their own dye garden. She's got her own flock of sheep, 200 sheep of Drente sheep, which are local to the Netherlands, are um, on the extinct list. So there's maybe 1,200 in the world, and she's got 200 of them. And then she's very into farm to art, farm to table, re-educating people on how, where things come from and the value and not losing some of the culture. So some of the dye gardens is... is the, the matter, the, so things that you can grow and they used to use for dyeing. So all of that really is to me like what I want to do on steroids. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's see if I can go do that. Yeah, Just go to the it. source, right? So they're, um, they said yes, but, says, but we have this project coming on. So they're um, this little city, there's a, a couple cities, but they're, in, they're hosting the Cultural City of Europe 2018. And in Groningen, they'll have a waste, no waste factory, which will be showcasing sustainable ways of doing things. Hence, they weren't planning on having felting, but seeing I'm coming along, oh, they said, how about you do some felting workshops and lectures? And I'm like, so we're going to be participating in educating the public. So it's the essence of Cloudy into this project. And she's got this um, 48 meter long tapestry sculpture she's been wanting to get into sculpture uh, which is going to call it's uh, the woven skin mm -hmm. and they're going to um, invite the public to participate or to collaborate and this uh, sculpture is going to be traveling around the world so the opening is in uh, in Groningen at the waste no waste factory for a month and they said you would be good as the facilitator to try to have people participate in making a patch and whether they want to take it with them or incorporate it in the work and I think we where the artists are incorporating it in the work not letting people do that because yeah. they tried that and they said it was it, it goes a little too crazy if you let people do so I'm basically saying I said yes to a project that I'm not exactly sure what it is but I know that it's where Felton can take me and I'm game and and it's going to be almost two months in the Netherlands and I leave in three weeks Less than three weeks. Oh, oh congratulations. That and is this so... is all because of you. Oh. Because it was like, why not? It's like, <laughs> she's doing it. Why can't I do it? Oh, that is a thank you. That is so nice to hear. And it's funny how you go through life and you never know what... what All these little moments that, yeah. that mark you. And yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thrilled that that is happening. And, and yeah, super grateful so to same, know same that story. So same when you communicated to say, do you remember me? And I went, hell <laughs> <Do> yeah. I? <laughs> Well, and I was going to tell you that story. I said, no, I'll wait in person and I'll tell you that story. Oh, that is so great. <laughs> Yay. And you're going over there. Are you, um, you mentioned in the car that you're doing some language learning. Is that what well, that's part for? Of, because there's an agreement. So mm -hmm. basically, I've agreed to do this. So there's a contract and there's an agreement. There's these privacy clause. So obviously, there's secrets that I can't share with the world of, of her process. And, but... One of the last clauses, you have to learn some basic Dutch. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because I'm dealing with the public. Mm -hmm. And also I represent uh, the studio to a certain extent. So yeah. even though I'm the only Canadian, uh -huh. there's going to be three of us that's going to be full-time and everybody else is coming in for the day. So there's going to be some paper making and so a lot of sustainable um, avenues of what you can do. So, uh, and I'm the only Canadian and the other two are, are Dutch. I think one woman's German, 
it, I'm confused because of the names sometimes that it's like Dutch German? German yeah. Dutch? Yeah. And so, yeah, so basically I'm duolingoing my, uh, my Dutch as I am a woman. I drink oh, milk. <laughs> I love Duolingo. It's amazing for things. We did that one. If nothing else, is fun. <laughs> it is fun. And it's very rewarding as you go through. Oh, it's yes. like the little guy jumps up and says, yay, you got 10 in a row. And, and I'm very yeah. competitive. Yeah, so yes, I just too. keep going. I just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yep. We just did this uh, this trip to Sicily with, with my collective 13 feet off the ground. And we all went and did a few Italian classes together. And then we all got on a group on Duolingo. Yeah, you find out who's competitive. Here's I'm a afraid clue. to get me. on the group because what if they start talking and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, no, it just it shows you who is in the lead. Like, oh, oh Chantelle, you got this is actually keeping you score got two hundred points, and somebody else got. It's okay. I have a partner next to me in my bed that's already ahead of me. <laughs> he's he's learning it. He's not going. Uh -huh. Actually, he might come and visit, mm -hmm. but he's actually very supportive. Mm -hmm. And learning the Dutch, the Dutch, is learning Dutch at the same time as I am. Yeah. And he's already into animals and rhinoceroses and rhinoceros. <laughs> you don't need a rhinoceros in, in Holland. But yeah, so he's way ahead of me and I'm, oh, I'm trying to catch up. Yeah. Oh, good. So you've got a rabbit to chase linguistically. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. So on. if I, I would be just doing it by myself, I'd probably be a lot more chillax. But this is like, what do you mean you're in the, what, what are you doing? What is that? And I keep hearing his, I was going to say his voice. The, the voice coming out and like, mm -hmm. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. How far ahead are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good fun. Right yeah. on. Yay. So you're going to go there in a few weeks yeah. and you're going to do this project and you'll be creating this one big piece that will travel. The piece is obviously, if it's 48 meters long, mm -hmm. it's already done. There's a write-up on it and it says it invites the community to participate in dialogue and in making things. Mm -hmm. So what I was told is they're going to be making patches because they let people weave crazy, because they've tested this before. So obviously they've had a, a bit of a, a test run in the fall of the Waste No Waste to also see how things would sort of evolve. And I said, that wasn't a good idea. You don't let people just go crazy, especially if you want it to be a work of art and you want it to be showcased. So it's after this place, it's going to be showcased in Palermo in Italy. And after it's going to um, New York for a very special conference in New York. It's going to be international and in 2019, so it's traveling for the next two years. So it has to have some sort of cohesiveness, but it does have a link and they're trying to include the public and the, the dialogue and the eco. And so I'm not sure, I will tell you when I get there, what our role in all of this is. Is are we showing people how to put it together? Are we encouraging people how to participate into this? Are we putting what they're doing onto the piece after? Because the whole point is to be, it, it needs to uh, receive some things from every location. So it, it gets added on. Well, it sounds fascinating. And because the, this episode will go up, you'll probably already be there before this goes up. Oh, um, then yeah. you can follow me on Facebook. or we will, Yeah, let's follow you on Facebook. And are you planning to video much of what you're doing? I'm planning to obviously take a lot of photos and um, probably blogging because at a certain point I'll probably want to be talking to people in English or in French yeah. <laughs> and sharing my experience, which is usually what I do when I travel. I love to write things down. So this is a way to also to journal. Yeah. But instead of just journaling all to myself, I kind of share. Yeah. And, and you're blogging now? Do you have an ongoing blog? On my website, there is a blog option, which I've only used a couple times because I feel like I don't really... It's always about 
problem solving. What, how do you work a big piece when you're all by yourself and you don't have enough hands? And how do you do things that are two of a kind? Yeah. So this type of stuff, this is going to be so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you already know where the blog button is. You're ready. I to know go. how to share the blog. <laughs> social media challenge but I'm learning really quick this yeah. this whole Instagram website um, yeah you kind of have to yeah and this is where you find out that people actually listen to mm -hmm. what you do and 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 hear what you're saying yeah I've people at the crawl just like you showing up at my space had come up to say I wanted to meet you because yeah what you say is what like I feel and about felting of course and I'm like oh wow and like, I'm thinking I'm talking all by myself and there's nobody out there listening. And, and yes, and people show up and it's very humbling and they just want to meet you. And you're kind of going, me? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Okay. <laughs> but it is unique what you're doing. And, you know, you mentioned doing the aerials. There is something very theatrical to what you're doing. How do, how do those things fit together for you? Well, they are going to fit together at a certain point because I still have it in the back of my mine to make as much as I did that chair that was a challenge of trying to put weight into felt mm -hmm. I would like to make an aerials apparatus out of felt sort of a webbing something because I have I'm not a performer but I, I know a lot of performers I do it for training this is my attempt at finding a non-contact sport mm -hmm. <laughs> just <laughs> soccer and rugby and stuff so like let's try to do a non-contact sport yeah so I am trying I always try thrilling. to meld things together for yeah. some reason things have to it's kind of like putting all your friends together and hoping everybody will get along I really want to do air how do I bring my aerials into and wouldn't it be beautiful if you had some felting and just it would be moving so there's you know a, a fabric is one thing um, but there's and most of the aerial apparatuses are metal or strong or rope and I'm like, but imagine if we would make it out of felt. It could have some 3D elements. It could have some flow. It can. So eventually that will come into. But it's it. There is always an artistic thing of just blending things together. That would be just lovely. Even even if it's just for me, it doesn't have to be for like for public consumption. But it's just problem solving, figuring things out, a challenge. And I also have friends that are barely 100 pounds, so I'll put them in there first yeah. and <laughs> test it. I'm a little bigger, so <laughs> once 100, maybe 120, then, then we'll move our way up. So, okay, okay, it can hold 100. Then you can find that 250-pound chair Chester and put him in there. <laughs> There's that. There was a guy that was six foot seven, mm -hmm. and he had spiked hair, could not fit in that chair. That's how oh, big he was. Wow. He was sitting on the tip, and his his hair was almost just touching like this. I've got yeah. a photo of him on my website, so on Facebook, so you can see. He was, he was the best. It was just like, wow, that's a big boy oh, right sitting on. in my chair. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So it'll be fun to see. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you are uniquely qualified to do a project <laughs> like that with the with the aerials. It sounds very Cirque du Soleil. It sounds, uh, or not even. It sounds unique, and it sounds like it sounds like you know we we live these lives and have all these different chapters, and this is just this awesome kind of summary pulling it all together and and uh, yeah so you've got this trip planned now mm -hmm. what's next after that for you oh that was it though because I can right now we have a show coming in two weeks and mm -hmm. then I leave in three weeks oh so we me, have we have a spring salon mm -hmm. so just as we have the culture call that opens up the studios to everybody we try to have people not forget about us so we open in the spring and we'll have a show what happened this show came from this beautiful photographer that took artist in their studio photos and pretty much covered most of us at, who at, was that 
It's Rennie Brown. I was just hearing about Rennie Brown last night. I was at a meeting so he's of been, artists. He's, he's been a busy boy. If you got a studio, he's going to come in and take oh, a picture. Yay. So it, that's his ongoing project. And we were there a little bit at the beginning. And during Christmas, somebody says, do you want to, this is a friend of mine. He wants to take pictures of you in your studio. Do you want? I'm like, hell yeah. I was like, <laughs> why not? So that started like that. And when he was taking my picture and we were doing all kinds of stuff. And I said, you know what would be fun is if we put your pictures in one of our works and have an exhibit mm-hmm. and that's happening in two weeks oh, so it's great. one of those little ideas and and we usually have an art salon and we uh, a spring salon so we try to figure out a theme or something and I'm like that's a theme yeah and it's going to be lovely because we we're so different every artist so that photo is lovely and not to mention it it um we were able to bring also three artists from other like not in the arts factory mm-hmm. so also to have a little bit more of a uh, and who did you bring in uh natalie reynolds uh-huh is the only one that i can remember her name yeah somebody uh, at parker so they yeah. I, I can give yeah. you the links to all of them because yeah. we don't have them in our invitation which is the reason why i can't remember names because oh, okay. they're not written out they were in an email yeah i saw them for a fraction of a second yeah and it was really weird to also have to pick an artist so we had submissions and we were now on that side that we needed to pick oh my god yeah we feel a lot better about ourselves now because it's not a personal thing yeah. we realize now when we submit things mm-hmm. it's like oh they didn't like my it's like it was sometimes just the cohesiveness and this person looks a little bit like this person if we only had to pick one which one would it be and it wasn't anything personal necessarily and because we we're also reading artist statements and because we didn't know any of these artists personally and it was just visually what do you like? What goes with the rest? And there you go. It was, it was weird. Yeah, we, it's we, a weird responsibility. We felt really bad of like, if we, because we needed obviously to reject some. And, and we're like, can we not just accept everybody? <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the Arts Factory is very supportive of what we do. So we get the space uh, subsidized by them. So we don't have to pay the same price as other people. So they want to encourage us to do some shows. But by bringing other artists, we they have to kind of limit it to you can't bring everybody in. Yeah, it's just like as long as it's majority arts factory mm-hmm. artist, and we're good with that. Yeah. So already, um, Rennie would be an artist from the outside. Right. I'm intrigued by Rennie. I'm going to look him up and maybe even lure him into a bar for one of these conversations. <laughs> he was just in the studio two days ago taking pictures of Andrew. Yeah. Oh, right so you missed on. Missed it by yeah. this much. <laughs> yeah. So there's always a spring salon. There is always an East Side culture crawl there, and you, it's consistent artists because once people get those spots, they hang on to them, right? Is and it not uh, moving. I can say that the the variety of artists and art happening in that space and the energy feels amazing. So definitely worth a and visit. And it's such a nice bunch of people. Yeah. We actually really like each other, and we really encourage each other. It's so much fun. We even meet sometimes from creative mornings, and and it was just it's just contagious. It's yeah. a really really fun place to be in. Yeah. Well, there's something very cool happening in the Vancouver art scene right now in general. Like mm-hmm. there's this beautiful gathering of um, of people and artists and groups and projects, and there's just this awesome interaction. Nice and uh, you're right in the heart of it, lady. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So the show is called Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I don't know if you have a secret punchline tucked away for me or a joke or a funny tale from your art life. I do. Oh, you do. But 
I can't take credit for it because, I, like you said, we have a beautiful space with a lot of artists. And one of our artists is actually an actress and a writer and a spoken word poet. So I went to the source. So oh, right things on. that I like, <laughs> I now know that mm-hmm. things that I'm not good at or things that are not, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> go go ask people that are. Yeah. So as much as my practice is all about, you know, having fun and making connections and stuff like when I try too hard, it just doesn't come out. So I was trying so hard to find you, <laughs> you know, my puns were like, you know, felt me up. There's all kinds of things that I could have come up with, but it's yeah. not as good as so. And, and basically she could give me these in 30 seconds or less. So mm-hmm. although she did go back and and research who, a little bit. Who's the artist? So this is Julia Pileggi. Mm-hmm. So she's an actress and a writer, and they're working on projects with, even within art. And she's in our studio. So even though she's a writer, she's got a desk in our studio. So and she said she said I could I could take credit for it. I'm like hell no. <laughs> Spread the love. <laughs> oh no, she does she, beautiful spoken word. I've been to some of her performances, and she will be performing actually at our um, art salon as well. Oh cool. So see all the timing. Yeah. So two artists walk into a bar, but they felt like they should have been carded. So that's, that's, and then there's another one that says, but they felt like it was too loud to connect. (laughs) This is what she can come up in like a few minutes. And I I could have spent like days and I'm sure she would have delivered it so much better. I'm so sorry, Julia, for like screwing up your puns. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yay. Well, thank you for taking the time to come and sit and chat with me. And and, uh, I'm going to sit here with you and we'll finish off this bottle of whatever this magic stuff is. And I'll cry more stories out of you. We've obviously been talking a lot because we haven't been drinking. We're way behind in our drinking. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers. <laughs>